0: The Pelicans had 22 turnovers the other night against the Oklahoma City Thunder. Is this a problem for New Orleans? I'll explain why the answer is, well, it depends. Plus, Dyson Daniels is fitting right in. And what role will Kyra Lewis Jr. play now that he's back with the team? It's a Wednesday episode, a game day episode of Locked On Pelicans. Let's go. You are Locked On
1: Pelicans
0: Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts and available on YouTube. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with y'all on this Wednesday game day as your Pelicans take on the Toronto Raptors. We got a jam-packed show. Want to look quickly back at the game, the win against the Oklahoma City. Thunder in those 22 turnovers, something a lot of y'all mentioned in the comments on YouTube in that game recap, plus a little bit on Dyson Daniels and what will Kyra Lewis Jr.'s role be now that he's back with the team. And of course, thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday for you all, breaking down everything you want to know in a way that no one else is doing. Did I mention free? Subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Comment down below on YouTube. And today's episode of Locked On Pelicans is brought to you by Sweat Block. If you or someone you love is experiencing embarrassing sweat or odor, try Sweat Block. Save 20% with promo code LOCKEDON at sweatblock.com. Also available on Amazon. So let's get into it. 22 turnovers it's a lot. Is that a concern for New Orleans? So in one sense, yes, yes it is. And it's one of the reasons that Oklahoma City th- the Oklahoma City Thunder were in that game and that it was a close game at the end. New Orleans had plenty of different ways to close the door on that one, one of them being they were also playing against the refs in a sense. But they kept turning the ball over and kind of devolving their style of play. To match that of the Oklahoma City Thunder, and the Thunder wanted to play fast, loose. Let's take a ton of shots. Let's turn the ball over. We'll just keep getting it to Shea Gilgis Alexander, and we'll try and win this sloppy, weird as heck, drunk game. And New Orleans doesn't do well with that. This is a team, at least right now, offensively, that craves a lot of structure actually wants to play a little bit slower and in fact New Orleans has one of the they're middle of the road when it comes to pace it was boosted up by that game they're 16th 99.4 possessions per game is what they play with that's pretty slow We'd like to maybe see them be a little bit faster, but when they start to play fast and loose because they're still integrating Zion back, because you haven't really had him play with CJ before, and people are taking on new roles and roles are evolving as this season goes on, you can see this team doesn't have a ton of team chemistry out there. They don't look like the Boston Celtics who have been together for a really, really, really long time, minus some new additions here and there, but their core guys have played a ton of games and a ton of minutes together. New Orleans doesn't have that. So they're not necessarily all on the same wavelength when it comes to playing with each other. They're not kind of anticipating each other's movements. So when the game becomes very improvisational, they tend to struggle a lot, and they turn the ball over a lot. So when you see that those turnovers and those 22 turnovers, it probably means they're not really following their offense and the type of actions and sets that they want to run. So yes, That's a huge problem. You don't want that. That's one of the reasons why you see them go possessions without getting Zion the ball or possessions without scoring or taking bad shots. They need to try and eliminate that a good bit. But when they slow the game down, when they get into their sets, into their actions, and they do very simple things, they're not running anything truly complex out there. It works and it's effective and they still have one of the best offenses in the league. And in fact, in half court play, you can really see it. They are very good. They are the sixth best half court team right now. And the crazy thing about that is it is through them scoring on sets and actions because right now they're not always being the best offensive rebounding team. They're not adding a ton of points through putbacks and different things like that. So New Orleans has done a very, very good job of getting their initial action and scoring on that. And they're doing this a lot, and that's really been a big key to their offense. Transition they're good in, but they're just not adding a ton of transition points right now. So it's that half-court offense when things slowed out. And when the game was getting out of hand, and looked like it could be slipping away from New Orleans against the Oklahoma City Thunder in the fourth quarter, you saw Willie Green barking orders. Getting his team right. It helped that they were trying to score on the side that the Pelicans bench was so Willie could really be there. Pointing people where they needed to go, what sets to run, and it that team down. It slowed them down and allowed them to get the type of offense they want and stop turning the ball over. I do think this is one of the reasons why you've seen a lack of off-ball movement at times. Maybe it's a lack of off-ball movement from Zion. You've seen, say, him and Herb Jones not on the same page. Trey Murphy and him not on the same page at times, too. And it's just a lack of that kind of chemistry. So they kind of need to be looking back at the coach, seeing what they should be running. You need to see guys pointing and organizing each other and telling them where to go. And you've seen Jose and Zion not be on the same page where Jose is trying to get Zion to go to a place and Zion goes somewhere else. This should all get figured out over time. This is the type of thing that they're going to get better at as the season goes on. And if people can just stay in the damn lineup and not have these little injuries, keep them out. And B.I. is looking like he's going to be out in this game tonight tonight. You still have CJ McCollum likely going to be out. So this is going to go on for a period of time longer. But when they're all healthy and when they're all out there and they've built up some team chemistry, I don't think turnovers are going to be a huge deal for this Pelicans team. So yeah, 22 come up, but it's kind of understandable given where they are right now. You'd like to eliminate that, certainly, but I don't see turnovers as being a problem, an issue for this Pelicans squad. So I think that gets better with time, and it's helped by a guy like Dyson Daniels, who we'll talk about in the next segment, who's a really good connector too, playing a little bit of a Ball role for this team. And as these guys just get on the same page, you'll see more off-ball movement, you'll see a more aesthetically pleasing style of play, I think, that's really going to open them up. They're still very much a work in progress, and they're still a really good team. Right now, when I'm recording this third in the Western Conference, they have the sixth-best offense, the fifth-best defense, the fourth-best net rating. That's all a good spot to be in is there's still a lot of room for this team to grow. So turnovers don't really see it being a problem. It's more their style of play that's the problem, which is leading to the turnovers. And if they can fix that, this team's going to be in a really good position to be able to win a lot of games and win these type of games against the Oklahoma City Thunder running away with it and credit to Willie Green for getting those guys settled down getting them in their right spots in the fourth quarter when they could really hear him and he could make his presence felt and an impact out there on the court and it was a big reason why New Orleans got let's admit it was a bit of an ugly win over the Oklahoma City Thunder so coming up next Dyson Daniels is he the new Lonzo Ball Could he be the new Lonzo Ball for this Pelicans team? That's coming up here next in today's episode of Locked on Pelicans. Before we do that, though, before we get to that, though, today's episode of Locked on Pelicans is brought to you by Sweat Block. I have been sweating more recently. Like, I shouldn't admit this. It's kind of embarrassing, but it's something that's been happening. I'm wearing a black shirt today for a reason. And so I hate being on camera here with the light on me. You can see like the glare off me. It's warm. I move around a lot. I'm talking. My body's heating up. I don't want to have pit stains while I'm recording this podcast now, especially that it is on YouTube. So I have found a solution to this and it is sweat block. The sweat block wipes. Sweat block gives me the confidence to wear whatever I want on this show. I can wear all my fun shirts, Legend of Zion shirt, other ones like that. And I don't need to worry about embarrassing sweat. And Sweat Block wipes were featured and tested on Rachel Ray's show by firefighters. Those people definitely sweat a lot. So if you or someone you love is experiencing sweat or odor, try Sweat Block. Save 20% with promo code LOCKED ON at sweatblock.com. And they are also available on Amazon. And thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday for y'all, breaking down everything you want to know about this team completely free. No one else is coming to you like this. Subscribe, tell a friend about the show, leave a five-star review with a comment. It takes like 30 seconds to do that. That really does help. Number one thing you can do, comment down below on YouTube. I was in there replying to everybody, pretty much. Come say hi. I'll say hi, bye. I'll say hi back. And for your next listen, your second listen, go check out Locked On Saints. It's been a long season. It's not going the way we would like it to, but host Ross Jackson is breaking down everything you want to know about the black and gold. Really looking forward to the future. How do they fix this? What is next season going to look like as you start planning for that? Who is going to be the QB of the future, too? That is a big one. They're covering it all over at Locked on Saints. Make sure they are your second listen. All right, today, we just went over the turnovers for the Pelicans. Haven't been great. Hasn't been a big problem, though, I don't think. And you have another guy that's kind of entered the mix that's, I do think, going to really help in the half court and eventually help in transition, too, but also really does help you on defense. And that is Dyson Daniels. We've seen an uptick in minutes for the Pelicans rookie. Helps when CJ McCollum has been out and he can be elevated a little bit. He looks pretty good. This is not a guy that is going to win rookie of the year. He's not going to win Rookie of the Year at all. I should have made that the tease here coming into this segment. The tease should have been something like, Dyson Daniels is not going to win Rookie of the Year, but he's going to be just as important of a player as anyone else, and let me explain why. His numbers and his role on this team aren't going to allow him to be a Rookie of the Year to put up gaudy statistics that you see in a box score and go, oh my God. There'll be a couple highlight plays here and there, sure, from him, but it's not going to be anything that's going to look like Palo Banquero or any of those other guys. But guess what? in terms of a team fit, Dyson Daniels might be the best out of all of them. That's what I should have done. Someone from Locked On is going to listen to this and be like, why didn't you put that before? Um, Anyway, that's some inside baseball stuff with it all. Uh, But he's been really good and you really see him fitting in. And the more I watch him play, and I don't want to make this a direct comparison, you see shades of the Lonzo Ball role, a connector, not necessarily a creator for others. A guy that's going to get you some assists, but isn't like dazzling you with fancy footwork and on-ball moves and drawing two defenders to him or shaking guys out of their out of their shoes and then driving downhill, getting a defender to rotate and then kicking it to the open man. It's a guy who just makes a smart pass and keeps the ball moving, and that's equally as important. And you saw that against the Oklahoma City Thunder. You saw him at times get the ball down low. You saw him make the extra pass on the perimeter to keep the ball moving. All of that, just as important to this team and getting them to do what they want to do on offense, particularly when they're running their actions, their set plays, and things like that. He's been a good passer. He has some turnovers here and there. His handles, at times, a little bit looser than what you would like from him. But overall, I've been very happy with it. And he keeps the offense moving when you put him out there, he's even making his threes 47%, and per 36 minutes, he'd be taking three of them, making one and a half. That's pretty good numbers right there. I'm happy with the play we've seen from him on that. But when you start to get into the minutia of what he adds to this team, the nitty-gritty, the kind of like hidden numbers, they're really good. They're really good. And this is where he might be more impressive than a guy like Paolo Bancaro or some of the other top picks in this past draft. Let me ask you this, in terms of steal percentage, which is an estimate of the percent of opponent possessions that end with a steal by the player when they were on the court, where do you think Dyson Daniels ranks? He's basically number two on the team in terms of guys who have played a bunch of minutes. It's Jose Alvarado at 2.6% of the time he's out there, he's stealing the ball. Dyson Daniels is 2.2. He's ahead of Herb Jones. You often see bigs get a lot of these at times too because they're down low and they kind of just knock the ball loose and it counts as a steal credited to them. He's ahead of a guy like Larry Nance Jr. He is forcing turnovers like that for the opponent and making his presence felt on the defensive side of the ball. We've seen it, right? Guys like LeBron and others that he's had plays on. That was a block, I think. I can't really remember right now. In terms of block percentage, though, let's go to that number. Where does Dyson Daniels rank? Block percentage. Same thing as steal percentage. Dyson Daniels is third on this team. He's a guard. Larry Nance, you would think a big would be number one, right? And Larry Nance Jr. is for the Pelicans at 3.3. Herb Jones blocks a lot of shots. We know that. Number two at 2.9. Dyson Daniels right behind at 2.4%. Stocks, blocks and steals, steals and blocks, whatever whatever the... the, the whatever portmanteau is that what it is is yeah portmanteau right that's um that's a number you really look at that's something that Herb Jones is excellent at that's something that Zion Williamson has been doing a really good job of recently and right now you're also seeing Dyson Daniels do it so he's impacting that side of the ball too connecting guys on offense, keeping it flowing, not being a drain or a negative there, but really making an impact on defense, which is much harder to quantify. And often you have to go off of the eye test. And he definitely fits that. That size he has, the strength he has, it's working right now for him in the role, in somewhat limited minutes. But then you get even further and you get into rebound percentage. And he's not going to be an offensive rebounding guy ever. He's going to be a defensive rebounding guy. So what about defensive rebounding percentage? Guys who just scoop up defensive boards. Jonas Valchunas, when he's out there, he's grabbing 30.1% of available defensive rebounds. Billy Herdan Gomez is two. Jackson Hayes is three. We expect bigs to do this. Four on this team, Dyson Daniels coming in at 21.7%, the same percent as Jackson Hayes. Larry Nance Jr., by comparison, 17.7%. He's lower by 4% than Dyson Daniels. Dyson Daniels is making an impact on the defensive side of the ball significantly for New Orleans right now. And his role should only grow going forward for that. They don't have a guard other than Jose, who doesn't have the same size and thus isn't going to get a lot of the blocks that Dyson Daniels is able to get. You see him contesting down low on help defense, getting in position to rotate over, make a block or make a play on the ball. He can do it on the perimeter too. And if he's there able to help rebound, it's only going to be a good thing for New Orleans. And that's something that Lonzo Ball used to do. He was a really good rebounder, had a nose for the ball to get into position to get a lot of those boards. New Orleans at times has struggled with defensive rebounding. Having a six foot seven guard out there who's able to go and snare some of those, sorry, six foot eight, I think goes a long way towards alleviating any of those problems and second chance points for the opponent. So he's done a really good job with that. And him doing a really good job on the defensive side of the ball, being just enough of a connector offensively while making his three-point shots, and it's all you're really looking for him to do, maybe means it's going to be a crowded backcourt soon with the return of Kyra Lewis Jr. So where does he fit into the Pelicans' long-term plans this season, or short-term plans this season? Where does he fit into the plans this season after his return back from Birmingham? What is their use of him gonna be? Let's talk about that coming up here next in today's episode of Locked on Pelicans. Before we do that, though, today's episode of Locked on Pelicans is brought to you by ExpressVPN. So we all know how ExpressVPN protects your privacy and security online, right? But here's something you might not know. You can also use ExpressVPN to unlock movies and shows that are only available in other countries. Maybe you've run out of things to watch on Netflix. Well, this is gonna change your world. ExpressVPN allows you to binge The Office on UK Netflix. It's so simple to do. You just sign into Netflix, fire up the ExpressVPN app, Change your location to the UK, refresh Netflix, and that's it. ExpressVPN lets you control where you you want sites to think you are located, so you can choose from almost any of a hundred different countries and just imagine all the Netflix libraries you can go through. And it's not just Netflix. ExpressVPN works on any streaming service, Hulu, BBC iPlayer, YouTube, you name it. There's hundreds of VPNs out there, but the reason I use ExpressVPN to watch shows shows is because it's ridiculously fast. There's never any buffering or lag, and you can stream in HD no problem. And ExpressVPN works on all of your devices, phones, media consoles, smart TVs, and more. So you can watch what you want on the big screen or on the go. So if you want to get access to hundreds of new shows, go to expressvpn.com slash locked on right now, and you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. That's expressvpn.com slash locked on expressvpn.com
1: Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
0: Thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday for y'all, breaking down everything you want to know about the team. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Leave a comment down below on YouTube. And look, if you haven't, leave a five-star review with a comment. It does help keep the show free in five days a week. It takes like 30 seconds. So wherever you listen on your podcast, whatever app, just put five stars, write something in there, and you're good to go, and I'll really appreciate it. And now for your second listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast, the biggest stories across all sports, like the U.S. men's national team, making it happen, getting into the knockout stages, but Kristen Pulisic out injured, they're going to be covering it over at over it on Locked On Sports Today, available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube as well. Get caught up on everything you need to know in the sports world, the biggest stories in 30 minutes or less. Locked On Sports Today. So Kyra Lewis Jr. back with the team after a short stint in Birmingham coming back from his ACL injury that has kept him out for almost a whole year. But it's great to see him back with this team right now as he is looking to recover from that and hopefully we'll get to see him on the court kind of soon. But what's that really going to... B, what's that really going to look like with him out there on the court and what's going to be his third NBA season now? When we just talked about Dyson Daniels, CJ McCollum's, you know, entrenched as a starter, and you still have Jose Alvarado getting tons of minutes. That's three guys that are getting 20 plus minutes each in the guard spot. So how does Kyra Lewis Jr. fit in? Is there someone spot he can take? And I'm going to be honest. I'm, I'm not sure right now that there is. I don't exactly know where he's going to fit in with this team. His stint in the G League was good. He played three games for the Birmingham squadron, played 20 minutes on, on that, and averaged 13.7 points per game. You could see the explosiveness. You could see him get downhill and go and score. But that's kind of what he's been, right? Like he's a downhill slashing guard with the ball in his hands who uses his speed and athleticism to try and get to the rim and then create for others that way he wasn't assisting much in the g league he wasn't shooting the ball particularly well 20 percent from three you know that's going to come back with time certainly so where does a guy whose skill set is that and that's what it's been fit with this team if you're not shooting the three ball particularly well And he hasn't, you know, the two years that he's played in New Orleans. Last year, prior to his injury in 24 games, 22.4%. His rookie year, 33.3%. Those aren't the greatest numbers, to put it nicely. You know, he doesn't dish out a ton of assists and create for others. Two assists last year, 2.3 the year before. Those aren't horrible numbers. Per 36 minutes, 5.2, 4.9 but I'm still not sure where he fits, right? Can you really drop a guy like Devontae Graham for him when Devontae Graham has been shooting the three ball particularly well and you need more shooting and this team needs to be taking more threes? I really don't know that you can. And when you look at his numbers in Birmingham, three games, on a minutes restriction, mind you, I don't know how much his role is really going to be this year outside of kind of an injury reserve. If he had been healthy all year, would he have gotten minutes in this game against the Oklahoma City Thunder if Garrett Temple was getting minutes? Yeah, but Kyra hasn't been particularly great on the defensive side of the ball, so you don't use him there. Could you let him roll with the second unit as kind of that slashing point guard creator for him? You could. You just have other guys that kind of fill that role, I think, a little bit better. And you have other guys. Maybe CJ needs to cook a little bit more with the second unit. You know, maybe it's a guy like Jose Alvarado doing that with the second unit when CJ's back starting that I don't necessarily know if there's the right spot for Kyra and one of the things keep in mind the 13.7 points per game he averaged is good and almost all of that was by getting to the rim he will not have that same kind of success at the NBA level and this comes uh you know from people associated with the league right there's there's just not a lot of rim protection in the G League there's not a lot of rim protection he can get to the rim and score he's basically playing a different game than the other guys that are there that comes from someone with the team so I don't know if you'll see him come in and be like, well, we need a slashing guy to go and score and get buckets at the rim. I just don't think he's going to have that kind of success, at least this year. Maybe next year when he's had a little bit more time to acclimate. But certainly his speed and athleticism is there. But he's going to be running into NBA rim protectors, which is not something that was happening in Birmingham. And which is probably one of those things that's been holding him back his whole career. He was playing at a different level than basically everyone down in the G League, as he should be, because he doesn't belong there. He's better than that, and hopefully we find the role, right role for him this year. But I'm just really not sure who it's, you know, what it's going to be, or how he necessarily fits in with the current makeup of this team. If you want Dyson Daniels to keep getting minutes, and I don't think Devonte Graham has done anything truly to earn fewer minutes outside of you just have other guys that defend better and things like that. So I think Kyra's gonna be in a tough spot, but hopefully you get to see him soon. Hopefully they find a couple of minutes here and there for him. He is sounds like he's ready to go at the NBA level. That's at least great to see him out there on the court. And let's take that step first before really looking at anything else. So enjoy the game tonight against the Toronto Raptors. I'm looking forward to being in the Smoothie King Center. If you see me walking around, please say hi. I enjoy talking to all y'all. And of course, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Comment down below on YouTube. And as always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nolajake on Twitter. I'll be back with y'all tomorrow.
1: Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.